All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Monday night as I am recording this following the Denver Nuggets win in Philadelphia over Joel Embiid and the 76ers. Final score, 114-110. This was a great game. Didn't start off great, not going to lie, but... Uh, the bench came through in such big ways. Some of the starters around Nikola Jokic really picked them up at various points. Uh, this was one of those games where the MVP race kind of took a back seat in a lot of ways, where Nikola Jokic was good, but he definitely wasn't great and definitely struggled in his individual matchup against Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid scored 34 and was good. But he also struggled to score against the Nuggets bench as the Nuggets bench like ripped off a big lead over the Sixers. Like they they went from trailing double digits to coming back and leading when the Nuggets starters finally got back on the court. And this game, I think this is the right time. I'll do the Jokic versus Embiid thing in the second segment. This is the right time to talk about the entire team. The entire rest of the team. I'm not going to talk about Nikola Jokic in the first segment. He was great. He deserves some credit. I'll talk about him later. But for now, I want to go through every single other player on the roster because this was a team effort. This was a team win, and categorizing it as anything else I think would be wrong because there's been a lot of vitriol on Twitter lately about the supporting cast and who has done more with less and whatnot, and I don't want to make it about that. This team is good. They have figured it out. They got another great win against a plus 500 team, which they've gotten not a ton of those. So getting one in this manner is such a big deal. So let's run through it. Aaron Gordon tonight struggled defensively, not going to lie. We found out post-game that he was sick, that he was questionable to return with an illness, during this game, he was apparently throwing up at halftime. He was throwing up post game, not feeling great, and tried to give it a go. I respect him greatly for fighting through an illness, trying to get on a court, knowing that he's very important in a matchup against James Harden and a matchup against Joel Embiid. So I do think that Aaron Gordon saw what happened last game without him against the Toronto Raptors and said, okay, let me try to give it a go, despite the fact that I'm not feeling great. It was nice to see him get out there. He made a big three from the corner in the third quarter that really started up Denver's run, I think. Really got them to a good place. And it was nice to see him make a positive impact in that regard. Uh, It wasn't perfect. Other than that, I thought he really struggled in a variety of other ways. But it's just nice nice to see him back out on the court. Hope he feels better by next game. Will Barton. Will Barton scored 20 points tonight, 7 of 14, 3 of 6 from 3, 3 of 4 from the line. That's 50-50-75 splits if you're counting. Three rebounds, two assists, only one turnover. Uh, He defended James Harden for a lot of the night because Aaron Gordon clearly wasn't feeling it. And then there were stretches down the stretch where you had... uh, You had Bones Highland out there, you had Monte Morris out there, and you had Will Barton who took on the assignments of James Harden during a lot of his minutes. And did James Harden have a good game? Yes. Did Will Barton do some good things against him and and not get embarrassed? Yes. 
And so that was really nice to see. But the key factor here, 20 efficient points in a game where Denver really struggled, in a game where Jokic had some turnover issues early, the Nuggets offense was kind of in a rut. Barton made some big shots. He hit three of their 13 threes, and he deserves a ton of credit for keeping the Nuggets in this. It was such a big deal. Jeff Green, only 21 minutes tonight, but he had six points, four rebounds, one assist, one steal, and went three of three from the line or three of three from the field. I know a couple of those baskets at least came on runouts, including that sick Jokic dime in the open court. There was a full court laser in the first half as well. Jeff Green was a part of that stretch at the end of the first half where the Nuggets got back into it without Joel Embiid on the floor. Joel Embiid picks up his third foul, has to sit due to foul trouble, and the Nuggets absolutely took advantage during that stretch. That was a big, big deal, and it was good to see what the Nuggets were able to do in that situation. Monte Morris uh, had some really important moments in this game where he was able to get into the teeth of the defense, throw up some floaters, get to the lane, uh, get to the lane. Yes, eleven points, six assists, one steal, three rebounds. Not his best game that he's had, but I mean, he shot a, he had eleven points on fifty percent from the field and six assists compared to zero turnovers. Again, such a big deal where you don't have turnovers down the stretch. You try to make the most of all of your possessions, and Monte was doing the best that he possibly could. He had a couple threes that were in and out, uh, but I do think that he's just one of those guys that has continuously stepped up in these moments and, and made sure to have his contributions be out there. And did the Philadelphia 76ers kind of still take advantage of him defensively at times? A little bit. Tyrese Maxey had a good game. James Harden had a good game, but it wasn't the best game in the world, and Denver was able to keep pace, partially because of Monte Morris. And now the bench. Austin Rivers, Bryn Forbes, they each had these second-half three-pointers that were so big uh, in that second half and in making sure that the Nuggets could keep pace and kind of establish some momentum. Austin Rivers had missed one previously, got one to go off of a clean catch-and-shoot. Bryn Forbes hadn't been playing well up until that point, made his last three-pointer, and it was a big one. So both of those guys, uh, Austin Rivers also had a couple of good defensive plays, want to make sure to credit those two, had a couple steals, and he took on the James Harden assignment at times too. But more than anything, it's just having players that don't give up even when the score can get a little bit crooked. Denver never got out of it tonight. Despite the fact that they were down 37-22 to after the first quarter, they immediately worked their way back and scored uh, and got a 31-21 to margin in the second quarter. They got themselves back into it. And even though the Sixers outscored them in the third, the bench brought them back in the fourth. And having guys like Rivers and Bryn uh, to really step up in those situations was a big deal. Another guy who stepped up, Boogie Cousins. Boogie Cousins absolutely stepped up. And it wasn't his best game until he needed for it to be. Eight points, three of six from the field, two of five from three, three rebounds, four assists, one turnover. 
was a plus 13. The entire bench unit was at least a plus 10 tonight, plus 10 to plus 16. Cousins hits back-to-back three-pointers over the top of Joel Embiid. And it's just in those couple of minutes, in those couple of stretches, where the Nuggets were kind of able to take care of some momentum, were able to hit the Sixers on the margins where they needed to, having DeMarcus, who could kind of step up, hit a big shot when it mattered, uh, hit two of them in a row, actually, kind of going back to back and keeping Denver firmly in the driver's seat, or not in the driver's seat, but like firmly attached to where the Sixers were, that was a really big deal. And it evened up the game and you felt the momentum going Denver's way just a little bit. And had he not hit those shots, Denver would have absolutely lost this game, in my opinion. And then you've got Jermichael Green, who was just fantastic this game. Couple fouls, like he had five fouls tonight, and there were a couple times where he was defending James Harden, where, look, that's James Harden, and, and Jermichael Green kind of struggles to foul, or to avoid fouls sometimes. But for the rest of it, 10 points, 5 of 6 from the field, 8 rebounds, 7 defensive rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal. The way that he moved on the court tonight, as the low man guarding pick and roll, as a rotator oftentimes, finding his niche in the soft soft places of the defense to hit some shots, but also to get some dunks, such a big deal to have a player like that. It's just so clear to me after watching the beginning of his season and then seeing what he does now that Jamichael Green is a power forward. He is a traditional power forward. He likes to play next to another big body, and he's just optimized so well in Denver's offense and defense when he's playing the power forward position. I don't understand it because there were some times last year where Jamichael Green was better at the five, where he absolutely benefited from having other players spaced for him, but he was one of the spacers himself. But now he's being put into a position where he just has to find the soft spot in the defense, and usually that's in the dunker spot. Sometimes, it, like tonight, it was along the baseline. It was just he hit a back-to-back baseline jumpers, which you never see players take those anymore. But he hit them. He took them with, made them with confidence, and that was such a big deal for what the Nuggets needed at the time. They just needed points up on the board. And to have a guy like that who could take and make those shots, but also rotate and be physical and not give an inch to a player like Joel Embiid, who's just an absolute freight train. Jamichael Green goes up and contests a Joel Embiid dunk. Commits a flagrant foul, apparently. I did not think it was a flagrant. I thought that it was a common foul quite clearly. And just the fact that they made contact then caused Joel Embiid to fall to the ground and hit his back. I thought that Jamichael Green brought the necessary energy, brought the right mindset to tonight that really absolutely lit a fire under the nuggets and gave them the necessary energy to get through it. He was essential tonight. I'm going to talk more about the supporting cast in the third segment too, Uh, but we're wrapping up here with Bones Highland, who, man, what a story. What what an incredible story Bones Highland is. 
21 points tonight, 7 of 14 from the field, 4 of 9 from 3, 3 of 5 from the free throw line. Come on, Bones, got to make those free throws now. But those 21 points, and he also had four rebounds, two assists, only one turnover, led the team in plus-minus at plus 16. Those 21 were so loud and so impactful and came at exactly the right time in the fourth quarter that you can tell that Bones Highland's a gamer. He spoke to the media post game, and it was pretty clear like there were going to be people in town that were from Wilmington, and they he had a full contingent. Apparently, it was close to 600 to 700 people who came out there to support him. And did they witness a show? Bones Highland pulling up from the logo to make sure that the Nuggets got their lead and stayed firmly planted in front. Hits a big three down the stretch as well with the clock winding down. It felt like all of his threes tonight came with about one second left on the shot clock, which just made them so much more impactful because the Sixers would turn around, watch the ball sail through the air, drop through the net, and just drop their shoulders and their heads. It was awesome. Having a guy like that who can space the floor, who can make something out of nothing, and that you have to guard from that far out, it's such a, such a big deal. I was very impressed with Bones as everybody else was too. But the way that he has manifested this over the course of these past few games, I tweeted out today, or uh, post-game, that he's up to 13.3 points. Um, Let me see. I just want to make sure I get the right thing. 13.3 points, 3.9 assists, 2.9 rebounds, and one steal. 50% from the field, 52% from three in his last seven games. That's the month of March. Those are like quality starter numbers, quality shooting guard numbers. And his ability to consistently impact the game over the course of this month has really gone under the radar a little bit just because there's been some drastic ups and downs with Jokic and with the team and with some some good losses or some good wins, some bad losses. Bones Highland is becoming more consistent. He's learning on the fly. He's learning a new position, but he also has made some plays as a shooting guard tonight where he was off the ball while Monte Morris was doing stuff, while Jokic was doing some things. He got to play and close with the starters tonight. Absolutely deserved it. Jamichael Green closed too. He absolutely deserved it. It's just so impressive to see what those guys have been able to do and to see what this team has been able to cobble together without Nic- or without Jamal Murray, without Michael Porter Jr. You knew it was going to be a struggle this year. But this win was not just about Nikola Jokic. It was not just about the MVP battle. And it really became about the supporting casts. And that's just kind of how... Jokic rolls. Always been a team player, but he needed the team to lift him up too. And they absolutely delivered tonight. Really, really impressive stuff. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to go over the Jokic versus Embiid MVP stuff and and what this game means for that. Uh, But first, 
This podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, and the teams in the NCAA tournament have just been selected over the weekend. There's only a few days left, a couple days left, actually, to join in on all of the action before the first team tips off this Thursday. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a shot to bet just $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Yep, it's that simple. If they win, you win. DraftKings Sportsbook customers are also getting the opportunity to bet on college hoops with new same-game parlays where you combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. I know that I've just filled out my bracket. I will probably change it over the course of these next couple days. Haven't bet on anything quite yet, but I've got Gonzaga. I've got Arizona. I've got Auburn, and I've got Kentucky right now in my final four. Probably not going to happen that way because that's just how March Madness works. But I know that there's a lot of people that are on the Gonzaga bandwagon. And I think that they have just as great of a chance to win this tournament as anybody, if not better. So we're going to see. We're going to see what they end up doing. But you have an opportunity to go bet on them if you bet on DraftKings. DraftKings is doing some great things. And here's what you can do. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code MHS. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code MHS. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. Minimum $5 deposit. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. All right, we're back. Pick X and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. If you could, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. That would be fantastic. I uh, I had a podcast yesterday with uh, Brian Tapork over at Forbes. He covers the Sixers. He's great. He's really, really good. Uh, does a lot of great things nationally, but also is, is a Philly-focused guy. And... He's one of the very few that I think from the get-go has just been about appreciation of both Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. We talked about this matchup. We talked about the MVP debate. And Brian, to me, said that he would probably vote Jokic at this stage, despite the fact that he has stronger ties to Embiid. And so if you're interested in going back and listening to that podcast I definitely recommend it. It's one of those ones that I think holds up over multiple, at least days, if not weeks, uh, just because the content is going to be there. And both Joker and Embiid, they played well tonight. Thought that Embiid outplayed Jokic. I don't think I don't think you could say anything other than they both acquitted themselves as really, really good basketball players tonight. But here's the thing. The MVP is all about margins. And the margins do matter in this. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to talk about how they both played, how they both affected their teams, uh, how this should be parsed, and what this means for the MVP race. 
Jokic was outplayed in the minutes where Jokic and Embiid shared the floor together, where Embiid, he went at Jokic. Uh, It wasn't like he shot perfectly from the field, but he did shoot three of three from three. I'm not sure if all of those, I, I think that two of those were on Jokic. One of them was on Cousins. But he shot really efficiently tonight, and 34 points on 20 shots. When you only get to the line 10 times, I think that's a really impressive line for Embiid. He was plus two tonight. Jokic was minus nine. And the majority of Jokic's minutes came in the minutes where Embiid was also on the floor. And I think that was where Denver struggled, at least a little bit more. The minutes where Jokic dominated tonight were in the non-Embiid minutes, from what I saw. Uh, DeAndre Jordan was barbecue chicken for a lot of the night. Three points, one of six from the field. Didn't necessarily defend Jokic that well. Jokic pretty much scored at will on DeAndre Jordan, except for a couple possessions where Jordan got a block and then Matisse Thybul came over from the weak side and absolutely slapped Nikola Jokic's wrist uh, rather than the ball, but it was called a block and not a foul. Um, look, I'm I'm not here to carry water for Jokic. I'm not here to try to balance the scales and tip it towards Embiid. Um, but I do think that if we are looking at this matchup and how we should parse it, I would say that Embiid won the individual battle with Jokic tonight. I would say that a lot of that comes from the plus minus and how they performed against each other in a lot of those cases. I do think that Jokic still scored. He still playmaker. He still was a playmaker. He still was a rebounder. He blocked Embiid on the opening possession. So it wasn't like he didn't have anything for Joel Embiid. He dished it out a little bit too. But I do think that if you're we're just looking at this objectively, I think that Embiid had the better game. The thing is, is that being the better individual doesn't necessarily mean that the team won the game. And in the minutes where Embiid struggled most, I think were the non-Jokic minutes, where he definitely shouldn't have struggled most. Against DeMarcus Cousins, against Jermichael Green, Denver's second unit, Embiid should have dominated. He should have cooked. That should have been the time where he really separated himself in this. But the reason his plus minus was only a plus two is because he had nothing for Bones Highland. He had nothing for DeMarcus Cousins when he hit two three-pointers in his face. Jamichael Green around the rim was dunking and hitting shots on the baseline, things like that. And Embiid missed a few shots and, and turned the ball over a couple times during that stretch. So, how do we parse this? Embiid won the individual battle. Jokic did enough to keep the team in the game. The bench unit put the Nuggets over the top. I think that's probably the way to go. I think that that's probably how we should best discuss this because, like, there's really no other way to discuss it. Like, Jokic could have played better. I thought that he had some definite mishaps where he didn't read the floor particularly well. The five turnovers that he did have weren't great. A couple of them weren't his fault. But I do think that, for the most part, he could have played better. I also thought that he probably didn't shoot enough when he was going against Embiid specifically. I thought he would go to uh, the mid-range a little bit more. He did hit a nice uh, isolation jumper over Embiid in the fourth quarter. And I was surprised that we didn't get more of that. Maybe maybe it's just because Denver didn't need more of that. 
but I thought that he would have gone to that a little bit more frequently than he did. It's okay that he didn't, though. Denver obviously won the game. But if you're looking for the individual shine, that's one of those areas where I thought that Jokic probably could have done a little bit more. He did acquit himself defensively in this game, had 12 defensive rebounds. He had two steals. He had two blocks. While guarding Embiid specifically, who's a tough cover for everybody, Jokic definitely looked like he struggled. But against everybody else and switching on to different players, uh, really trying to maneuver through the lane, create some opportunities for his teammates, whatnot, he was good. He was good defensively, and at least good enough to help the Nuggets get the win. And that's really what matters most. Now, what kind of impact does this have on the MVP race? Because I know a lot of people watched. I think a lot of people are probably going to have the same takeaways as me. Is that maybe not Jokic getting dominated by Embiid. I think that Embiid probably won the matchup. But I still don't think that this is going to mean too terribly much in the MVP race. Because here's what we know. Here's where we are. The Nuggets are 41-28 and 28 against the Sixers. Or not against the Sixers. Uh, overall, the Sixers are 41-26. and 26. If they lose their next two games, which I doubt that they do. But if they do, then these two teams will have the same record. Despite the fact that the circumstances have absolutely favored the Sixers throughout this year. And what Jokic has had to do, kind of making up for the losses of Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. in a lot of different ways, I think is what people are going to, that's what they're going to still remember. And and I don't think that this game individually really changes that because it was close enough. Like it wasn't like Embiid absolutely pants Jokic. He, He didn't go for 40. He didn't block him five times. He didn't do anything like that. Like when there's a a tangible difference between the two players, then you could say that. But was there? I don't know. Like Jokic, I think, probably created about, we'll call it 40 points tonight. And Bede probably created about 42 to 43 points tonight. So like, yeah, and Bede was better. But it wasn't by that much. So I don't think that that's going to take the main stage for what the MVP race is going to be down the stretch. Um, Also, it does matter that the Nuggets won the game. It does matter that Embiid struggled against DeMarcus Cousins and the Nuggets bench. Like Those things do matter too. It's not just about how they matched up against each other. So we're going to see. We're going to see what the fallout from this game is. I'm going to listen to all the podcasts. I'm going to look at it. And I think a lot of people will check the highlights and they'll see what Jokic did and they'll see what Embiid did and they'll probably be like, okay, not a lot changed. But it is going to be a close race down the stretch. And if the Nuggets sort of fall off from here, then Embiid might win. Giannis might win. If the Sixers sort of fall off from here, then Jokic will have a better advantage. But we don't know that yet. We don't know what anything is going to look like. So we're just going to have to wait and see. Let's take a final break. When we come back, we are going to talk about starting off the road trip right. We will be right back. Thank you. 
And we're back. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. I forgot to talk about on uh, the Jokic side of things that that shot that he hit, kind of the running floater uh, while running out of bounds and, and making the shot was just, that's one of those shots that you just like have to laugh at because he he does things like that, not not necessarily like that all the time, but the touch that he has for the size of player that he is and being able to shoot like that on the move. I mean, he's the, if, if Rashawn Holmes didn't exist, he would be the king of the floater. And like, it's just unbelievable what he's able to do. So I wanted to make sure to lead off with that one just because, uh, just because I thought that we definitely needed to at least be a little bit more positive about Jokic from, from that regard. But here's where we are. Here's where we are in the season. The Nuggets have 13 games left to go. Their magic number on the year is now 12 to be a playoff seed, to be a top six seed. Uh, They continue to control their own destiny. And it's important for them to continue to put the pressure on. Where uh, the the T-Wolves are putting the pressure on, let's be honest. Uh, The San Antonio Spurs did not know that Carl Anthony Towns was going to go off tonight. And he had 60 points. Good God. Uh, on a night where it was funny, and Embiid and Jokic were playing, Giannis and Gobert were playing on on the second game on ESPN, and a lot of the discussion was surrounding the elite big men and and who's the king of the big man. And Carl Anthony Towns is just over there playing against San Antonio in, in a game that probably seven hundred people watched, and was just like, "All right, I'm going in," and he proved that he deserves to also be in that that big man discussion, I think. He's unbelievable. He really is just extremely, exceptionally good. Uh, and it's one of the reasons why the Wolves are just surviving right now. They, they continue to... They just continue to do their thing. But here's her, where their schedule gets harder. I'm going to read off their next eight games. They have 13 left, do the Wolves. I think. Yeah, 13 left. Wait, maybe 12 left. I, I I could be wrong. The Lakers, the Bucks, the Mavs, the Suns, the Mavs again, the Celtics, the Raptors, and the Nuggets. That is a tough stretch. And though the Lakers, like they are not necessarily, like they're not good. They're, they're not a good team. But they have to survive. Like they have to stay ahead of teams like the Spurs and teams like the the Blazers and the Pelicans if they want to have the best possible odds for the plan that they can. And they're always a tough out. Like they have LeBron James. It's it's gonna it's gonna be tough. The Bucks, the Mavs, the Suns, the Mavs, the Celtics, the Raptors, the Nuggets. That is a really tough stretch. If the Celt or if the Wolves go four and four or three and five during that stretch, then it takes Denver's Denver's magic number down to seven or down to eight. And that means that Denver would have to win seven or eight games down the stretch of their final uh, 13 to ultimately advance and be a top six seed. They can do that. They can absolutely do that, especially if they take advantage of these next couple games where they have the Washington Wizards, who were in a world of hurt against Stephen Curry 
the return of Draymond Green and the Golden State Warriors tonight. They will play the Cleveland Cavaliers after that, who are extremely good, exceptionally good. And they have the bigs to match up with Jokic and Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. But they also may, like, they're they're still weaker. I think they're a weaker team than the Toronto Raptors, for example, who just demolished the Lakers. But it just has gone to show over the course of this entire NBA season for the Nuggets that it's been a stressor. It's been emotional. It's been tough. It's been physical. And what we've seen from Denver is kind of them going through the emotions of it all during this injured season, the initial struggle that they had without Jamal Murray and then dropping Michael Porter Jr. as well. Uh, Denver was able to initially figure some things out in that stage. Then they lost Nikola Jokic. And then they got into the stage where opponents were countering them and countering their counters. And then Jokic comes back and they rear off, they they get some wins. But it's kind of up and down still. And Denver's having a really tough schedule. And the schedule eases up. And Denver kind of perseveres through that difficult schedule to get through the easier portion where Nikola Jokic turns up, where... Monte Morris and Aaron Gordon, Will Barton, Jeff Green steps into the starting lineup, plays pretty well. All of those guys step up and put Denver to a position where the only thing that they really needed to figure out was the bench, where you had to figure that out. But more injuries uh, through guys being overworked and having to compensate for the fact that you don't have your starting point guard, you don't have your starting wing having to compensate compensate for that, really tough. Really, really tough. But the Nuggets have figured it out. They traded for Brent Forbes. They acquired DeMarcus Cousins as a free agent. They moved Bones Highland into the backup point guard position, where that decision looks pretty good. The decision to go get Brent Forbes still looks pretty good. Denver only needed to trade a, a 2028 second round pick in order to get him. And then going to get DeMarcus Cousins, he was for free. Nobody had him available. Like, he was he was available. And having him has really, really helped the bench unit, where it gives them another focal point that opposing teams have to, have to always counter and have to always think about. And so Denver still had to go through it. And they still had to go through the ups and downs of a new bench unit and a new starting group and having to figure out where the the injuries kind of just work their way in, worm themselves in. But you're finding solutions in unexpected places throughout the year. Guys have stepped up in ways that they had to just to keep the nuggets afloat. Jokic has been unbelievable. He's had one of the best seasons of all time. All time, like quite clearly. The Nuggets would not be a playoff team without him. There would probably not be a play-in team without him. But the way that other players have stepped up and, and it kind of been on a, and a rotating cycle, right? Where in Bones Highland's case, like ever since he moved to point guard, he's played a little bit better every single time, every single time. Now to the point where he's winning them basketball games, even on the road in a tough environment. 
Bones Island has stepped up in such a way. But the Nuggets have also had this rotating cast of vets that stepped up too. Austin Rivers has become their primary defensive guard. He stepped up where Will Barton has sometimes not looked great. Armonte Morris has sometimes not looked great. Aaron Gordon sometimes has not looked great. Bryn Forbes, impressive shooter, elite shooter, somebody that the Nuggets absolutely needed to get into the building so that they could relieve some pressure on themselves, relieve some pressure on the second unit that has just really struggled to space the floor. Adding that level of shooter for the price price point that they did, it's so great. Will he be a playoff player? I don't know. But he's going to be impactful for the regular season, that's for sure. He already has been. Boogie Cousins, as we mentioned, he was free. But his ability to kind of mimic what the Nuggets do offensively with Nikola Jokic has been such a big deal. It's given Denver another look that they can go to. And Boogie has also helped them win games. Jamichael Green, same thing. Moving to power forward, as we talked about, he just looks like a different player. And having somebody who can step up in that regard, play the physical brand of defense and rebounding and hit some uh, hit some shots, but also really just be a physical force around the rim on the offensive end, that makes life easier for everybody. Jeff Green, haven't talked about him a lot. He's definitely not like the most sexy name, but him getting the energy and, and having so many of these massive dunks has just been such a big deal for a Nuggets team that is not super athletic. Adding Jeff Green to the mix, it's replaced Michael Porter Jr. in a lot of positive ways. And he's obviously fundamental from a defensive perspective, knows what the Nuggets need him to do, and does it pretty well. Monte Morris stepped up and been basically Denver's second best player for a long time. His ability to run the show, play on and off the ball, find his way defensively, and make big shots when they count, that's such a big deal too. And then Will Barton who's been vilified in a lot of different ways, had a really, really bad game last night, last uh, couple nights ago. Sorry, I'm stuttering through the end of this pod. He was such a massive piece for why the Nuggets won tonight, where they needed somebody who could step up, carry them through a couple of different rough patches. Barton hit the shots. He got to the line. Uh, he uh, He made one in the pressure cooker, didn't make the second one, but... Just his ability to shoot off the dribble and to play make off the dribble. It adds enough of the layer that the Nuggets lost with Jamal Murray that they've been able to survive. Having these guys where, yeah, sure, Jokic stirs the drink. He's definitely the straw. He's definitely the guy who manipulates everything. But more and more lately, we are seeing seeing teammates come to his rescue. We are seeing teammates approach him and say, I got this in a little bit of a way. Bones Highland taking and making 30-footers, that's a big deal. Will Barton being able to step up in the clutch, that's a big deal. Jamichael Green shouldering a massive defensive assignment in a lot of different ways as the backline rotator behind a Nikola Jokic-Joel Embiid matchup, that is a big deal too. 
Denver's had a lot of guys that stepped up. They aren't just Nikola Jokic. He's the MVP. He may or may not get it again this year. But you don't get it unless you win. And you don't win unless, as a team game, you have five players out there that help you along your path, that help you along this journey. Jokic would be the first one to admit that too. He's humble, but he also understands the game. He also understands what it takes to win in this league. And it's not just him. Look at what LeBron's having to do with on the Lakers. Imagine if Jokic had that supporting cast. Would he do better than what LeBron is doing? Probably, but not by much. The difference between this supporting cast and the Lakers supporting cast is just night and day. I don't want to hear it from anybody. Denver's doing pretty well. They are doing pretty, pretty well for the situation that they're in. And it's not just Jokic. It's everybody. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe. Actually, nope, not yet. Not yet. Lastly, the Woach Michael Porter Jr. update that didn't happen. What the hell? What in the world was that, right? Like on national TV, Adrian Wojnarowski is about to drop a Michael Porter Jr. update for where he's at in his rehab and uh, his entire process. I don't know what he was going to say. My guess is that he's going down to the G League and that there will be an announcement tomorrow. But I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm, I'm very curious to see what he, what Jamal Murray, what those guys are doing. But it does feel like he is ramping up and is about to get going and should be on the court sooner rather than later. Whether it happens right when Denver gets back from this road trip or sometime soon after that. I do think the reinforcements are on the way. And that is very, very exciting. Now that is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support as always. I will be back. Uh, I probably won't podcast tomorrow. I probably should, uh, let's be honest. And there, there will be some things that I definitely need to talk about. But I'm going to have a family dinner tomorrow and would prefer to just take a little bit of a breather. So thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate it all. We'll talk to you guys very soon.